0: Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at Roundrockchurch.s. May God bless you as you seek him and may he use this message to give you exactly what you need. Shidnick, Poland, February 5th, 1982. If you were to walk around the town of this small polling community, you would notice a very normal day except for one small subtlety. People would be doing exactly what you'd expect them to be doing. They'd be picking up groceries, they would be having haircuts, they would be talking to people on the street, errands would be run. But the one difference would be, on February 5th, if you walked around the town, everyone would be carrying their television with them. In the early 1980s, there were communist powers that were imposed over Poland. And one of the many ways that this came is through messaging. And this messaging happened through false stories, and it happened through propaganda. And one day, this small town in Poland decided enough was enough. We were not going to take the messages. We were not going to take the lies anymore. So the town agreed. For one day and one day only, everyone would walk around with their television. Now, it was reported that people would walk by and they would carry their television to the point where they would set it on the counter right before they bought something. Some reports actually say that people bought wheelbarrows and actually wheeled their TV around all because the town wanted to send an ordinary yet subtle act of resistance through the medium that influenced them the most and it worked because the world caught a hold of it and the world was able to see and reject the message of the day I'm curious in our day and age is there an ordinary resistance to the messaging that we receive in our day it seems like in every time and error everyone has to work through what is the messages we are going to receive and the messages that we are going to reject and one that i want to bring up today in our time frame is actually about your time have you found yourself embodying some of the messages about time Time is money. Don't waste your time. Make sure they see what you do with your time, to know that you're worth the time. Have you ever said to yourself, I don't have enough time. If I don't say yes to this time, will they ask me next time? I should be getting more things done with my time. Have you ever found that you were able to make an ordinary resistance against any of those messages? that you may be tempted to carry around with you. So leading up to Easter, we started this series called Simple. And basically, the premise of the series was this. Christians prepare for the good news of Easter by simplifying their external lives to make room for the internal work of God in their lives. In other words, if you simplify your outer external world it gives you more room to navigate the invisible and internal work of god and at the very beginning of this series i actually announced a challenge as we're leading up to ShareFest to say for the next 36 days i want you to give away 36 items now as you will notice we are two weeks away from easter you no longer have 36 days before easter all right the clock is just it's continuing to tick But there's more than one way to give 36 items away. And today, what I want to invite you to is that we may have talked about the things that you have collected in your house, but today I want to talk about the things that you collect on your schedule in your calendar, or maybe the things that you don't collect or schedule on your calendar. I know, it's one of those sermons today. Oh, it's about time. Great, great, great. It seems like everyone and their dog has an opinion about how you should use your time, right? Like, it seems like it's all about, like, if you're an influencer, if you're a life coach, if you're a CEO, everyone has a philosophy about time. Really, we're at a place in life where it's not do you think about your time or not, but it's who's following with your time are you navigate? And today I actually want to just show you the invitation of Jesus with your time. And this invitation of Jesus comes from this very obscure moment in the life of Jesus. It's actually a reflection, a reaction to how time is talked about with Jesus. Now, if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd encourage you to turn to the passage that Lindsay read for us. It's going to be in John 7. And this is a far less visited corner of Scripture, but it may just give us a hint at what Jesus views His time. Now, starting in verse 2 here, but when the Jewish festivals of the tabernacles were near, Jesus' brother said to Him, Hey, let's leave Galilee and go to Judea so that the disciples there may see your works that you do. For no one wants to become a public figure in acts of secret since you're doing these things. Show yourself to the world. Here's what Jesus is getting an invitation to. He's getting an ancient day evite, okay? This, he's getting it in the inbox of like, this is an opportunity for you. And Jesus does not respond. He does not RSVP the way that many people in the day would respond, Now, there would be several times in the life of Jesus of some can't miss opportunities. Now, there would be a couple of seasons with this, and they would actually be marked by feast. And this invitation that Jesus receives is one of those three feasts. Now, there would definitely be multiple times of the year, but each season of the year would have a different feeling to it, okay? People would enjoy and look forward to the time of the year and also what they would be celebrating with the year people would love this coordinate it's kind of like it's kind of like this like how many of you just get really excited when fall comes around and you can order a pumpkin spice latte okay That's what Jesus in his time is feeling. Maybe not pumpkin spice latte, but the same feeling. There would be three seasons. The first season would be this. It'd be a season of Passover. This would be a feast that would happen in the early spring. This would be the time where people would prepare for the harvest. This is where preparation and work would be about to happen. And the people, as they were remembering this agriculturally, They would also remember the time where God's people prepared. And how they sacrificed a lamb to prepare for God, Yahweh, to deliver them. From oppression. And would liberate them. That was the first season. The second season would be the Feast of Pentecost. This would be seven weeks after Passover. This was also known as the Feast of Weeks. This would be the time of harvest. This was the preparing. This was the actual collecting of harvest. And the people of God would also remember during this time that there was a God who met them on a mountain and gave them the way of life through Ten Commandments. That would be the second feast. And then the third one is what Jesus gets invited to in our passage today. The Feast of Booths, or another word for this word, Booths, would be tabernacle. That this would be in the fall. This would be the time of all times for harvest. This would be the last harvest of the fall. Okay, Think of it like south by southwest, except they have nothing in common. Right? Like, there, would, you ever just have that where you're just walking around Austin and you're like, why is it so busy around this place? And you're like, oh, that's right. South by Southwest. The towns would be filled with people because this would be the time to celebrate. This would be the time to make a name for yourself. This would be a time of abundance, a time of gain, and a time to collect. And what's fascinating is that Jesus does not view this time. The same as other people around him view this time. The people that Jesus actually sees it with, they're like, man, this is a can't miss opportunity to show up for here. Jesus could gain recognition, status, social influence, power, maybe even more support for what he's going for. But Jesus doesn't view it this way. Jesus doesn't inhere this. Jesus doesn't give in to this opportunity. Jesus gives up this opportunity. And why? Because Jesus knows that His time and His purpose is more Passover-shaped than it is Feast of Tabernacles-shaped. That Jesus views his time as one that he is going to give of himself and he is going to sacrifice himself. Not a moment to gain power in celebration, to actually give away power in the moment. And this is why Jesus needs to be your teacher and my teacher. Because what drives Jesus' time is not the same thing that drives you and I with our time. It was Alan Falding who once said the drive to possess is the engine of hurry. That the drive of possess is usually the engine of hurry. When life is all about the harvest, about the gain, about the collecting, about having it all, it leads to a hectic life. And this is where we need to bring in Alexander Hamilton. If you have seen the Broadway show yet, Alexander Hamilton, you will know that is a show that's marked by a man who is constantly chasing the next opportunity. The whole play, the whole act is about this one man who is going and is running out of time all the time, but he's gonna write as much as he can and he wants to build something beyond his life. And his wife, Eliza, God bless Eliza, Eliza says, all I want you to do is stay alive. Brothers and sisters, if Alexander Hamilton has taught us anything, it is this. We all have a little Alexander in the blood. All of us are looking for a way to gain the next opportunity. The question, though, is, is what opportunity in your life Are you looking to find gain? Jesus is actually willing to turn down an opportunity of gain. To actually turn to the purposes of God. And this is what it looks like to do soul work with your time and ask, what does God want me to do with my time? Emily P. Freeman, she is a spiritual director that has just this beautiful internal rule of life that i kind of despise as soon as i learned it but her phrase is this if you want to reflect what jesus does in this passage it's simply this it's a great opportunity is not a full sentence she's like it's just not a full sentence you can't just say it's a great opportunity and period she said the sole work for your life is to actually ask the question i want to say yes to this opportunity because what's the purpose behind everything that we say yes to or we say no to? Because if you and I got really serious about some of the commitments that make it onto our calendar and our schedule, they would seem really silly, right? Like you don't want to fill in this blank, right? Tell you what, I'll go first. All right. Then you could just do it quietly internally. I want to say yes to this opportunity because i want to prove to people that i'm reliable i want to say yes to this opportunity because i want to be liked by you i want to say yes to this opportunity because when i need someone i hope that they're going to respond the same way that i want to i want to say yes to this opportunity because it will help me be more well known or well connected i mean it's numerous the ways that we could answer the fill in the blank of why do we say yes to some of the commitments that we do. And simplifying our time begins with first asking, what is the internal motivation to your external commitments that you make in life? I remember when we were in marriage council in the very beginning and I was doing the work of what it would be like to join life with another person. And I remember our counselor just looking my spouse in the eye and being like, oh, he's got work to do. He's got work to do because he hasn't understood yet in life that just because other people want an opportunity does not mean you have to take that opportunity. Ouch. I did not want to hear that, but I needed to hear that. Did you notice... Who are the people around Jesus egging him on for this opportunity? If you look over all the way into verse seven, or let's let's start with six. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not here yet for any time for you will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of its works and their evil. So you go to the festival. Who is it that's going to the festival? If you look back in that verse, it's Jesus' own brothers. This isn't some random people off the street. This is Jesus' brothers trying to shape his time, but Jesus is aware of his time being cross-shaped. It's not asking, what do other people think I need to spend my time doing? But what does God design me and desire for me to do with my time? So a couple years ago, I got a rare opportunity to sit with a very respected father and writer um, in our modern day for Christian faith. Some of you may be familiar with him. His name is Andy Crouch. Uh, he wrote a book called Techwise Family that's really helped like modern day formation. And we just got to sit with him for a weekend. And I remember when I sat with him in a group, Uh, I was with some families of parents and they were just grieving how difficult it is and how different it is to raise a kid in this social climate today. And I remember one of the questions that one of the parents asked him is they said, you know, Andy, for a parent that is trying to raise a child that becomes a follower of Jesus, what was a foundation that you felt like was important? And I thought what his response was was just so helpful, whether you're a parent or not a parent. But he said this, when I was a young dad, I was unapologetic and I started early saying to my kids, our family is different. Because when you're trying to make sense of the world, you're going to naturally compare yourself to other people in the world. And one of the things a family of Jesus needs to hear over and over again is they need examples of us saying as families and as parents our family is different because their friends are going to ask they're going to ask in themselves sometimes why do we do or spend the time the way that we do and one of those answers is because our family is different do we find that our calendars our commitments and our schedules are ones that are different than everyone else in the world does our calendar and our schedule reflect one of giving of self and sacrificing in john 7 6 jesus says therefore jesus told them my time is not yet here for you any time will do what People have talked about how this word time means purposeful time. That there is a time for opportunity and there's a time to reject opportunity. And Jesus uses the sense of this is not the opportune time for me. My life is not marked by gain, but by loss to receive gain. So as we close today, I want to talk about an opportune time for you to ask just three questions about your time see i had less caffeine this week i only brought you three not five okay that's that's a blessing from the lord for all of us okay all right so i'm going to give you three questions to ask about your time number one i don't like this question but here we go what commitments do you consistently cancel i know i know ever since the past couple years it does seem like our rate to cancel plans just has increased, right? I've got a friend who says it like this. He says, canceling plans are like eating cheez They're addictive, you can't stop, and long-term, they're just not healthy for you, okay? That's a deep quote. That's a really deep quote. Comedians have received a lot of laughs by just reflecting on the reality that most people feel. Have you ever noticed when you ask an adult What they did for the weekend? What brings them the greatest joy? When an adult sits back at that question and just goes, I did absolutely nothing. And it felt wonderful. What's the thing that we said yes to that maybe our yes didn't actually mean a yes? Or our yes actually should have meant a no? What's the thing that we keep apologizing for rescheduling because there may have never been a purpose for it in the first place. Question number two, what commitments connect you to God? The reality is most of the things that fill your calendar are not bad things. They're not things bad in and of themselves, but if you always open yourself up to all the things, usually everything will start to internally burn you out. One of the ways that Jesus is able to know when the time is right and when the time is not right is Jesus is constantly turning to God and turning to the Father. There is a constant rhythm of turning to God and spending time with God to be able to discern the things of God. And the reality is for a lot of us, we commit to great things, but is it also things that will help us stay connected to God? And this isn't to be a guilt trip on our lives, especially for those of you who are like, I feel like I'm raising young kids and I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Every season calls for a different type of habits and rhythms with God. But the question for us is, are we making commitments that connect us to God? Because naturally we don't flow into it, right? I guess here's another way to say it just in like just general terms. If you have time for Netflix, but you do not have time for prayer or scripture, we may need to evaluate some. Okay, question number three. What commitments ask you to give of yourself? It seems like the inertia of our day is to always focus on our lives. But it's been interesting as a minister, like if I were asked and taken inventory of who are some of the happiest people that I see in the faith, it is usually people who are just giving so much of their time away. The happiest people are the people who are sacrificing the most, which sounds very kingdom-wise because it's upside down. And I want to just say in the life of our church that I think I have seen this past week a lot of really great giving of self that happened. Honestly, I was super proud of our church yesterday. I watched multiple fathers on Friday take vacation time just to help move items on Friday for people to be able to have large furniture. I watched people like Brenda Chisholm and the Taylors and Candace Banks and Callie Ray live up at this church this week helping arrange things. I watched parents yesterday. This was good. I watched parents serve with their kids and I got to see them do it side by side together. And I got to see some men, my my crew, my, my tent team, 2022. You were there for us. You rolled up that massive tent that was just annoying. I saw a lot of people give time. And we have to know, church, when we give our time faithfully like that, god will bring flourishing in however he wants to bring it in ways that we don't even know and it all comes from our willingness to give of ourselves so let me finish with this it's interesting that as you walk through the gospel of jesus all the time jesus saying my time has not yet come my time has not yet come my time is not yet come you know what's really interesting about disciples They never once are going around asking Jesus like. Is now the time? Is it time now? Like that's just not a disciple question. What if you as a disciple this week did prayerfully ask that question? Is it time? Like, is it time to commit to being home at dinner? Because yes, it's a sacrifice at work but it is something that is offering of yourself to your family. For some of us, is it time to come back to church because we've said yes to all the other things that bring flourishing in our life, but we haven't committed back to the one thing that influences all the others? Is it time for you to take some time next weekend and meet your neighbor? Is it time to scoot off some of the extracurricular activities for the kids? Is it time to give Netflix a break? Is it time to dedicate your way to something of serving someone else that you haven't done before? Because the good news of God in Jesus Christ is that God stepped into time. And Jesus stepping into time means God is going to redeem all the worst uses of your time. And He is also going to expand and preserve and do even greater things with the best things that you've done with your time. Jesus gave up his time and it revealed what God was like. If we give up some of our time, then we will also get a chance to reveal what God is like. Church, my prayer for us is we simplify our lives to simply receive the news of God. And maybe that just starts with our calendar. Ken, I'm going to invite you up to bless I'm going to pray over us as we continue. Uh, So God, we pray that you just continually poke and prod us for us to clearly receive the good news in two weeks. That you came. You were with us. You didn't just send us a message, but you were bodily present with us. That you showed us life and you gave your life. And then you were raised to life again and you turned towards us and not away from us. God, God, May you help us this week be able to see the ways that we can mimic the giving of self. That we can find how we are to use our time in a way that other people can see you. And we can bring your flourishing that you have promised will be with us at the end of time. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Jody and Ken.